Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I bring Laura Babcock into the conversation, president of Power Group. Laura, always a pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you, Bill. Uh, your thoughts on, on what's happened. Let's, let's start at the beginning of the week, and let's start with the announcement of Kamala Harris, and then we'll work up to, to Trump's response to this. I think Kamala Harris was the best choice. I've personally been on the Biden-Harris ticket bandwagon for a long time in terms of the best possible presidential ticket to combat Donald Trump. There's such contrast between, of course, Biden's empathy we've spoken about in the past to Trump's more cavalier and callous way of approaching politics and governing. Uh, But then you have Kamala Harris, and she is someone who has made it entirely on her own. She rose up uh, through the ranks of law because she wanted to fix the system. She has had, you know, various, um, she's had a track record of, of course, a lot of progressive initiatives, but also she has had some criticism about being too tough on crime and too tough on certain populations at points in her career. So she has really been vetted. She has really been in the public eye for a very long time. And we've seen the Republicans trying very hard to make the argument that that Biden is really going to be just a puppet of the radical left. Uh, he's just going to, you know, fall into the hands of, you know, their, their favorite people they bring out, like AOC and other more progressive members of Congress. And so by actually having Kamala Harris, who by no means is a radical left, uh, because of the history and her track record and her legal work, uh, it just takes that argument and it just puts it away. And the American people don't think for one second that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are a radical left ticket. So it was very smart and strategic for Biden to pick somebody as accomplished as her, somebody who clearly has a record of that people can scrutinize and don't fall into sort of these fear-based theories or attempts to paint her as something she isn't. But of course, also it's extremely important that she is a person of color, that she does have both South Asian heritage and she comes from Jamaica. Her father's from Jamaica. Her mother is from India. The fact that she is a racialized candidate, a woman in this. We've seen two other women be on vice presidential tickets before, Bill, as you know, but Mm -hmm. never one who is racialized, never one who represents those different backgrounds and has such a broad appeal. I was just watching some coverage of Kamala's uh, of the announcement from Indian television, and they see her, if she becomes the vice president, as possibly signaling the next new America to the world. So I think Does... we can't underscore how significant she is as a pick. And may I just say, you know, politics is about money. So beyond all of that, Bill, the fact that they had their single biggest fundraising day, $26 million came in to the Biden campaign in the 24 hours after making the announcement, that is an undeniable metric that she is widely expected is a very good choice. I was just going to ask you, does Maz want to get in on the conversation here? I heard him a second ago. <laughs> He's outside now. but <laughs> Okay. Maz, of course, is, is uh, Laura's uh, golden doodle, gorgeous dog, uh, and, and very opinionated, too. It's, I don't know where he gets that from. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the other element to this, too, and I, I heard Ari mention this on MSNBC, uh, Ari Melber uh, the other night, is uh, quite aside from that, and, and those are all very valid qualifications, uh, Politics is a blood sport, and Kamala Harris has proven over the years that not, she can not only take a punch, but she can land a punch, too, and she's shown us that already. Well, she was fantastic. I mean, she really came onto my radar watching the various Senate hearings, especially the Judge Kavanaugh hearing. She is extremely good at a very incisive, very 
controlled way of prosecuting the case of questioning a witness. We saw Bill Barr, the attorney general, you know, unable to answer her, tripping all over the place. We saw Jeff Sessions say, you're going too fast. You're confusing me. You know, he couldn't handle her cross-examination. So she is just somebody who has shown that not only can she handle, if you will, going up against the big tough people, you know, she's, she's sort of not afraid to take on the giants. But she's also somebody that we've seen on the national stage do fantastic speeches. So she really has a combination of skills, Bill. And from a communication standpoint, she's about as good as it gets. I know there was a big deal made of, of the idea that she went after Biden in the first debate last summer. Which and, and I, I never put much credence to that. That's what happens in in those debates. I mean, look at do you remember there how many Republicans were going after Donald Trump when he ran four and a half years ago, and and now they're all in bed with him. I mean, you know, the Lindsey Graham's and Mitch McConnell's they said some terrible things. They were true, but some terrible things about Trump back in those days. That's politics. It is, and I think what it says is not only that she was not afraid to go after the front runner with something that was deeply personal to her. And she said, when she made that comment you're referring to, she said, I do not believe that you are a racist. You talk about people who made their li- their careers based on being racist, and you supported policies that impacted me as a little girl. And, you know, and then she said, I was that little girl. And so it was very powerful. It was very personal. And, you know, she made her point without um, unnecessarily trying to wound Biden. She was making a point, and it was valid. And what I appreciated is that Biden was able to take that criticism, maybe learn from her perspective as, as that little girl who was being bussed, right? And he decided that he wanted her in the room. And you'll recall that Obama let Biden always be the last word in the room. And he's giving that same power to Kamala, saying, I want you to be the last opinion that I hear. So that, to me, talks about strength. And it's one more point of juxtaposition or differentiation between Trump, who obviously is very thin-skinned, cannot handle especially strong women, to Biden, who's saying, you know, this strong woman really embarrassed me on the national stage for the world to see, but she had a point, and I respect her for saying it. And, and I think that just sends an incredible message about what it is to actually be a strong man, is that you can work with a strong woman, and you're not afraid to be challenged. Well, Trump also seems to have a real bone to pick with Kamala Harris because of, as you mentioned, what he she did in those Senate hearings. I mean, Brett Kavanaugh was in tears uh, during her questioning of him, and we saw Barr stumbling all the way through this as well. I mean, that that's that's indicative of the fact that she's not intimidated by anybody in situations like this. Uh, and and I know that in the speech they made the other day in Wilmington, uh, they both alluded to the fact that look at you know they're going after her. I mean, they're already after Joe. We know that, but they're going after Kamala. But And we knew that was going to happen, Laura, but did you expect the birther thing to come up again? Well, it's interesting, right, because Trump only has so many tricks in his bag, and he started with the first the nasty woman sexist stuff, but then immediately on Twitter, nasty woman was trending, and <laughs> people like myself were like, I wish I could be as nasty a woman as Kamala Harris. In other words, it backfired. People were like, please, you do not get to do that with her. She's not nasty. She's fantastic. And and maybe he's just, as I said, uh, people have just taken the word and said, okay, if you're going to say that a powerful woman's a nasty woman, we all aspire to be nasty women then. So, I mean, Trump, when he did those things initially, they had a shock value years ago against Hillary Clinton. But with this, everybody expected it. As Joe Biden said, you could set your watch to it. And then when that, I think, didn't have any traction because, you know, people just love Kamala. They don't care about his sexism and his opinion of her. Then they tried to discredit her. 
and I read the article by the lawyer that was, I couldn't believe that Newsweek published it, but they did. And now they have a little, you know, caveat up about why they published it. But it's basically saying, yeah, she was born in Oakland, but technically were her parents citizens at the time? Were they naturalized citizens? You know, were they on the ground at the time? And even though you could, I suppose, dig through and look for cases you know, constitutional amendments that might have some language that might be open to some sort of, you know, interpretation of that. The fact is that in America, how, and it was, that, it was uh, well said this morning on Morning Joe when, when one of them said, you know what, by that definition, I wouldn't be an American. You know, my parents are immigrants, but I was born here. And so they're, they're, what they're trying to do is grasp at straws. It's racism, pure and simple. You know, when have you ever heard that argument made against somebody who wasn't racialized, who was running for high office in the United States? It's, it's pure racism. And, I, and when that came out, I think people looked at it and said, you know, 10 years ago, this Donald Trump guy was questioning, looking for a birth certificate, made it into kind of like a game show kind of thing, kind of like if you remember Geraldo when he was going to unveil the vault, <laughs> you know, yeah, he was yeah. doing that with the whole birther thing. Uh, it turned out, of course, to be nothing, but... For him to try it with Kamala, I don't think we're surprised, but I think now we've learned and we need to just call it right out and say, listen, it's racism. That article by that lawyer, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a pitiful attempt at trying to sow doubt in Americans' minds about her ability to both be vice president, but also her, she, you know, she's an American and they can't take that away from her. And the fact that they're trying to is despicable. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. You mentioned about uh, Trump's limited bag of tricks, and one of the ones that he was trying before they made the announcement about Kamala uh, was the the old, he loves to put nicknames on people. As a matter of fact, I heard uh, uh, Kamala was mentioning it, Kamala Harris was mentioning it, and a couple of the other ones validated this. When Biden was vetting all of those potential candidates, one of the questions he asked was, what nickname do you think Trump's going to give you if you have the choice? Uh, which which sounds almost comical, but it wasn't tragic. Uh, but you know, they, he was Sleepy Joe. That's what Trump always referred to him as Sleepy Joe. But that never caught on. It just the public didn't grab onto that. Not like Dirty Hillary or whatever she tr- he tried to use four years ago. But what I find unusual about that, because the the Sleepy Joe thing didn't work, and some of the other stuff he said about Biden, they're now focusing on the vice presidential candidate, and that's highly unusual. It's 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 not even the ticket. It's her that they seem to want to focus on now. Well, because they can't, nothing will stick to Biden. I mean, uh, Joe is the Joe you know. You know, we know who Biden is. We know his gaffes. We know his history. We know his compassion. We know his legislation. So how are you going to brand somebody who's already so well-branded in the minds of the people? You know, Joe is an institution of the Senate. Uh, he was vice president. We know what Joe's all about, and we know what the Biden Joe, uh, what uh, the Biden Obama years produced. Whether you like them or not, we it's on the record. Kamala would be someone a little bit easier to define because she's not as well known. But the thing with Kamala, though, is that she is so good at striking back. You know, sometimes with Hillary, she she had some disdain for the media and didn't really love the whole campaigning thing and wasn't really into those kind of scraps but Kamala Harris absolutely is when she came out with her speech which I thought was one of the best vice presidential speeches I've heard because it introduced her and made her completely relatable and then she you know she pursued the indictment against Trump and she did it brilliantly but one of the things that Kamala said Bill was she said like everything else he's inherited he took the Biden Obama economy 
and ran it into the ground. I mean, for her to go right at Trump and his business record and, you know, how he got into power versus her earning it on her own, I thought that was incredibly, probably damaging to him in, in the sense that she will make that case that, you know, he couldn't even take something good and sustain it. And so uh, I think that he cannot define her the way he wants to because she won't let him. It's interesting when she made that comment, and the minute I heard that, it, it harkened back, it reminded me of Mary Trump's book, uh, because what Kamala Harris was saying there, she was not just talking about Trump, the president, and, and policy. She's going all the way back, all the failed businesses. And she, you know, and, and that's one of the course of the, the focuses of, uh, of Mary Trump's book, is that this guy's been a failure all his life. His father bailed him out with billions and billions of dollars, not the $1 million loan that Trump seems to try to per- perpetuate these days. That's what happened. Uh, and that, that book and a, and a number of other books, I think, have painted Trump in a much different picture. Maybe not for his core. Uh, they're always going to believe what they want to believe. They'll believe the racism, the birther stuff, and everything else. But a lot of people voted for him four years ago. They vote just didn't like Hillary Clinton. Uh, they weren't Republicans necessarily. And a lot of people didn't vote at all. But I think there's a different attitude this year. And I think what's really important uh, that we haven't talked about in terms of a trait of the candidates of the ticket is that Kamala Harris has humor. You know, she, Hillary did have some humor, but Kamala regularly laughs, you know, and she will laugh in the face of any stupid name meant to define her. And she will approach, she approaches this really as a happy campaigner, right? She's a happy warrior. So is Joe Biden. I mean, the two of them laugh regularly. Trump doesn't laugh. One of the things that we've learned and that he has said himself, he doesn't joke. He has no sense of humor. So you ha- and, and I would, you know, Mike Pence hardly seems to have a lot of humor either. He's going on right now about how the Biden-Harris ticket is going to take America's meat away, right, because she happens to like vegetarian yeah, they, they hate, they, Apparently they hate cows. Right, right. You know, they're, they're grasping at straws. But the point is, is that on the one side you have a humorless ticket, and on the other side you have uh, two people who enjoy this, who believe that they can make a difference, who want to take the fight on, uh, and they're going to do it with, I think, a kind of joy. It sounds crazy in these terrible times, but I think we really need that joy. I mean, one of the things that I saw when she was announced on the ticket wasn't just whether or not people liked Kamala or not, or if they had preferred somebody else in the, as the vice uh, president's pick. It's that people felt hopeful. They felt lighter. They felt like for the first time maybe in a couple of years. I mean, we haven't even talked yet about what Trump's now admitting he's trying to do by making the post office unable to deliver mail-in ballots during a pandemic. I mean, he is, he's literally saying he does not want this election to be able to happen because he knows he's going to lose. I mean, that's effectively what he's been communicating the last 24 hours. He doesn't care. He's going to try to stop himself from losing. And so, on the other hand, you've got this, this, uh, these two people, Kamala and Biden and Joe, who are, who are lighthearted in a way and, and have humor. And I think that Americans are going to... Obama used the audacity of hope. He used that appeal to hopefulness. Uh, and we've seen that in the past with Reagan, you know, the shining city on a hill, morning in America, all of that stuff. So I think what we're seeing here is the juxtaposition between a hopeful ticket with a sense of humor uh, and some lightness and a very dark ticket that is going to try to really get this election one way or another. And I think it's causing a lot of fear and anxiety. And, and Americans, I would imagine, like many of us, don't want any more anxiety. You know, we're already in a pandemic. We're in a recession. We'd really like to have some optimism and some hard work and some truth. And I, and I think that that's a powerful juxtaposition. And I think Trump should be very concerned. Laura Babcock, president of Power Group. Uh, I, yeah, I wanted to get into the mail thing, but we'll have to do that another time. Uh, thanks so much for this. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again soon, Laura. My pleasure. Take care. Take care. This is the Bill Kelly Show. 
The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.